one more time. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. I see a few people I haven't met yet. My name is Stephanie. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are just so honored to host you for Christmas Eve today, and we're so glad that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus together. Uh, so a very special welcome to those of you who are visiting. We're so glad that you're here. Um, I want to just kind of see who we have here today. So we've got the people who go all out for Christmas, the minimalist people, and the in-betweens, okay? So who's a minimalist when it comes to Christmas decorations? Okay. Not shocking for you. Yep. Okay. How about the in-betweeners? Okay, yep. And then where are my all-out people? Okay, because I want to hang out with you. You seem fun. I like that. I'm here for that. That's awesome. Um, we're probably in the middle in our house, kind of in the middle, but hands down, my favorite Christmas decor is Christmas lights. And I'm here for it. I'm here for the people. This is not my house, but I appreciate... I appreciate these people. You know, who else appreciates these people? A couple of you are these people. You know what? And I love that as Minnesotans, we'll keep these up till March. We don't care. Right? I love it. We just go all out. Now, as for me and my house, we have a very specific situation when it comes to Christmas lights. Um, I have what I would call a curated approach. So it's not this picture. You can take that one down. Um, I prefer a, just a very specific type of Christmas light. Not, and no one else has to have this. I appreciate the, all of them. But for me, it comes down to the Kelvin temperature. Do you guys know what this is? If you don't know, then you're going to learn today. Um, the Kelvin is the brightness scale. And so for me, I'm right around here, 2,500 or 25,000 to, 25 to 3,000. Okay, so that's kind of my, my window there. Now, I'm not projecting this on anybody else. But as for me and my house, we have 3,000 Kelvin. Does anybody else know their favorite Kelvin? Oh, okay. That's just me. Again, nobody else has to ascribe to this. I'm so glad for all the colors. However, I am assured that Kale, our, our engineer here at the building, is working to every light in this building being at 3,000 Kelvin. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. That is an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. Now, the good news is, is that this is the, the only high-maintenance thing about me. There's really nothing else. So, okay, okay. Some people are visiting and they're like, where are we right now? Who is this person? But, of course, the reason that Christmas lights are such a big part of the Christmas decoration is because we are celebrating Jesus as the light of the world. That's why Christmas lights, for so many years, lights and candles have been a part of the Christmas story. Of course, this time of year, we so often read the prophet Isaiah writing about Jesus hundreds of years before he was born, saying, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. Jesus is the light of the world, the light in the darkness. Now Isaiah was this prophet who wrote 600 or 700 years before Jesus was born. And for hundreds year, of years before that, people were feeling as though they were living in a period of darkness, where it felt like God wasn't close by, where they felt like God was far away. They were full of fear. They felt powerless. And as Isaiah was speaking these words, these were people who were feeling oppressed, who were feeling as though they were going to be, and they were, ended up in exile um, and not able to experience their life free in who God had made them to be. And so Isaiah spoke these words, and then for hundreds of years, there was still this period of what maybe some would call 
a time of darkness. They were waiting for the light to break in, to pierce the darkness. And I'm willing to bet that everyone in this room has had a period of time in your life where you've experienced that kind of darkness, where it has felt like a, this deep sense of darkness in your life. Maybe this has been this last year for you or for somebody that you love. This idea of, of the darkness that comes from pain and suffering, feeling lost, feeling uncertain. Everybody's experienced this in some way because it's part of being a human in this world. But Isaiah was right. Jesus was indeed the light of the world. And he was the light in the darkness, the one that people had been waiting for before Isaiah, when Isaiah spoke and then came hundreds of years later. But I have this question I want to leave with you today, really two questions, and I want you just to think about these as we continue this morning. What does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? How does that impact the darkness that so often surrounds us? The darkness that surrounds you and surrounds me in different aspects of our life. I want you to hold that in your mind as we continue. Again, Isaiah was writing hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and it all came true. It came true what Isaiah spoke and many of the other prophets. The light broke into the darkness. The Messiah, the king, had come, the one everybody was waiting for. And he came in one of the most unexpected ways as a tiny little powerless baby. Think about that. The light of the world wrapped in swaddling clothes. This just light piercing the darkness is throughout the Christmas story. These two women who were the first ones to declare that the light had come. Elizabeth and Mary both carrying the, the plan of God in their wombs. And then you have these two people, Mary and Joseph, where they are both shocked by the light of angels telling them that they are going to be unexpected parents. And of course there's these surprise shepherds who are blinded by the light of so many different angels declaring glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then the magi that we talked about last week persistently following this single star that shone the brightest in the depth of the night as they followed along. Listen to how one of Jesus' disciples, John, one of his closest disciples, wrote about him in his version of the story at the very beginning of John. In the beginning was the word, Speaking of Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, here it is, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, verse 9, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Let's just pay attention to that. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Everyone, that's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? Jesus was the light that broke into the darkness of this world to give light to everyone. Notice, nothing about the naughty and nice list. Right? Everyone. <laughs> nothing about those who know a lot of stuff or the people who don't make mistakes. Just everyone. And, and the first people who heard John's words would have thought, whoa, everyone? You mean not only the Jewish community who had been waiting for the Messiah to come from the line of David? Everyone? But there it is, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. But John continues on. Listen to what John says as he continues speaking about Jesus after his ministry and he's writing these words down. He says specifically, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, 
The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not recognize him. Here it is. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. To those who would receive him. To those who would believe in his name. Those are, those are the qualifications. Not the smartest. Not the most popular. Not those who have the most wealth. Not the people with the right background. Not the people from the certain ethnic background. But everyone. Jesus was the light for everyone who would receive him and believe that he is who he said he was. The Messiah. The Savior of the world. God in the flesh. The one everyone had been waiting for. Jesus was the light to all who would receive him, no exceptions. It's pretty important. But again, I bring up these questions, but what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world to everyone? How does that impact the darkness that surrounds us? Before we answer that question, I've got one more thought. Perhaps the concept of living in darkness is kind of lost on us. Since nearly all of us, probably all of us, were born into a world of electric-powered lighting that surrounds us nearly all the time. Have you thought about that? When this room was built in 1905, it didn't have electricity. It had gas lanterns. When my grandpa was born in 1923, only about, you know, I looked, at the, I looked up these specific details. Only half of the homes in the United States in 1923 had electricity. When my grandpa came home from fighting in World War II, man... Not even 80% of homes in the United States had electricity. And it wouldn't be for another 25 years that electricians finally figured out this thing called grounding the wires that made it so that it wasn't a complete fire hazard to have electricity in your home. And so what was used before the mid-1900s for Christmas lights? Candles, yeah, candles. And I just want to point out, candles are this beautiful 2,000 Kelvin, could not be better... I'm a little shocked by how many people thought it was a good idea to bring a dead tree into their house, clip on some candles, and light those. I hear some people are still practicing this today. Yes, don't raise your hand because we just, we're praying for you, keep the supervision. It's amazing though, right? Because this is what would be the, the Christmas lights, was the candles. And so it's so rare, it's so new that Christmas lights were light bulbs, actually, when you think about it. We spend most of our time in our life in artificial light, right? And I say this because because of that artificial light, we find ourselves almost never in complete darkness. There's always just a little bit of electric light on that clock or whatever it is in our phones and all that kind of stuff. When there's so much light that you can't even see the stars, they call that light pollution because of what electricity and electric light has done. Can you remember the last time you were in complete darkness? Complete and total darkness? For me in my life, it's been very rare. There's only been a few times. One of those times was when I was in my early 20s and I decided to take a road trip with some other gals to Montana. Okay, and this was before GPS was really doing anything helpful. And uh, we drove across the top of, of North Dakota and Montana on Highway 2. Has anyone driven Highway 2? Okay, I now know that that's not the safest way to get to Glacier National Park if you're going to drive through the night. But you live and learn as you get GPS and grow up. Again, I was in my early 20s, and I was with these gals, and we made a pact. And the pact was that, that somebody else had to stay awake with the driver all night if we were going to drive all night. 
So I'm driving, it's about 1 a.m., and I realize everyone else is asleep. And this is what it looked like. It was very dark, and I start driving, and I realize as my light, my headlights, maybe every mile or so, there was a streetlight, dimly lit. And I thought, this might be the darkest moment I have ever been in because the cloud cover came over, and it covered the moon, and it covered the stars. And I did not dare turn off those headlights. And I looked around, and I realized these gals are not going to be helpful for me. But I think that was the deepest darkness that I have ever experienced. So think about that for a minute. Jesus being described as the light of the world must have hit those original hearers of Isaiah pretty differently because they experienced zero light pollution pretty regularly, didn't they? They experienced something that's pretty rare for us. Mary and Elizabeth didn't have a nightlight or a phone or a flashlight to nurse those babies in the middle of the night. When you think about those shepherds out on that field at night, if that same cloud cover came over and covered the moon and the stars like it did on that Montana sky night 20 years ago, they had nothing but maybe the low light from a fire when their whole job is to protect these sheep from the predators that could be sneaking through the darkness of the night. So try to imagine, try to imagine being somebody from the first century who experienced complete darkness way more regularly than any of us. And you hear these words, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. What seems like a pretty powerful illustration to us now was even more powerful to them. They had to receive that differently because they experienced the darkness that we would have to kind of work hard to find in our world today. So then our question, what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? How does that impact the darkness that so often surrounds us? In a world where darkness could easily be complete and all-encompassing, metaphorically, the light illuminates what would be otherwise be impossible to see. Jesus, as the light of the world, illuminates what would otherwise be impossible to see. Jesus illuminates the truth about God, about our world, and Jesus illuminates the truth about each one of us and who we are and who God created us to be. When we look at our world, perhaps you begin to think about 2024. Some of us are avoiding it. Some of us are thinking about it, right? And you're looking out into 2024, and for some of you, when you look at that, you think it looks like deep darkness. And maybe for others, when you look out on the horizon of next year, you see bright lights breaking into the horizon of things you're excited about activities you're excited to participate in, goals that you want to achieve in life, people that you're going to spend time with, wonderful things as you look into next year. And then there's many of us who look out onto to next year and we probably just think, you know what, it looks like more of the same. The mundane, all of those things that I have responsibilities for, all those tasks, and it doesn't look like complete darkness, but the lights are kind of dim, doesn't feel super hopeful. And wherever you are at this holiday season, as you look forward to next year, as you look around you now, as you look out in front of you, the truth of Jesus as the light of the world is that every day, Jesus wants to illuminate what is right around us. Jesus' spirit wants to show us things that are right around us in our everyday lives, in our everyday spaces, in the midst of the darkness and the light and the mundane, Jesus shines and illuminates. And this is my question, will we see what Jesus is illuminating in our midst? Will we see what Jesus is illuminating in our midst? So as I was driving on Highway 2, the top of Canada uh, and Montana, 
I'm driving along, and my travel buddies are asleep, remember? And I'm thinking as I'm driving, did I plan our gas stops accurately? Because I have realized I have not seen an open gas station for many miles, and then I start to realize perhaps that's why there are no other cars on this road at this time. And all of a sudden, I had a sense that there was something out there on the horizon. And I'm looking, I'm kind of squinting, and I'm thinking, is this, an, is this an animal? What is this? And I'll be honest, I was freaked out. I started to feel my heart rate going up a little bit, and I'm looking out into the road, and as I'm coming upon one of these streetlights every two miles or whatever it was, I see this movement off to the side of the road, and I think, it's got to be an animal. And then I realize, oh my goodness, there's more than one. And I'm pulling up, and I slow the car down, and as my headlights and the dim street lamp began to illuminate these shadows that I saw, and I, I was peering into the darkness, and I see illuminated in the light, I couldn't believe my eyes. Horses. Like a herd of horses. Silver horses. And for a minute, I'll be honest, I thought I was hallucinating. <laughs> Back then, there could have been Red Bull. I'm not really sure what I was going on to stay awake. And so I try to wake up my buddies and my friends. I'm like, wake up, wake up, you got to see this. The people in the back, hopeless. But the person in the front, like, opens her eyes a little bit, and I'm thinking, this is amazing. And then I drove on, just wondering if what I saw was actually real. The next morning, nobody would corroborate my story. Not even the squinty one in the front row. Like, she would not even say, and they were just like, look, you, I'm, I'm telling them, you guys, there were 12 horses. I think they were wild horses. And the Minneapolis City girls were like, Steph, there's no wild horses anymore, not in, except in the movies. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm telling you, I saw what I saw. I know what I saw. And it wasn't until we got to the campfire in Glacier National Park, where we were around some more seasoned travelers than 22-year-old Steph, uh, that I was talking around the campfire, and this gray-bearded guy says, oh, yeah, if you were in northern Montana, those were wild horses for sure. He said, there's even a town on the border of Canada and northern Montana that's called Wild Horse. And he said, if they were silver, then those were Mustangs that you saw. I saw 12 wild Mustangs on the highway. <laughs> and nobody corroborates that story. But to this day, that is one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. <laughs> I was in total and complete darkness. And I was surrounded by wild horses that were in the dead of the night that were illuminated by a single lamp on the side of the road. There is no way to know what is up ahead on the road of life that each of us are on. There's no way to know. But this Christmas, we celebrate Jesus as the light of the world, not just when he came as a little baby, which is incredible. Not just when he grew up and lived a ministry, gave up his life on the cross to conquer death, which is incredible and amazing and makes all these things possible. But we celebrate Jesus as the light of the world because when you have Jesus in your life, the spirit illuminates what is around us and we will see clearly things that we might not even believe we are seeing with our own eyes. As we celebrate Jesus' birth this week, the reality is, is that he is right there with us. The spirit of Jesus is with us in this room right now. How powerful is that? Emmanuel, the with us God. Jesus is with you as you open up the gifts, whether you're excited about them or not. Jesus is with you as you're sitting with family and friends and the myriad of emotions that comes with spending that much time with people. 
And Jesus is with you as you might be mourning the people that aren't here celebrating with you or as you're far away from the people that you love this holiday season and you don't get to be with everybody that you love. Jesus is with you, Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus illuminates the truth about who God is. A God who loved the world so much that he would, we sometimes say, condescend, that Jesus would come down into this messy world and join us. It's interesting to note this. Now, we lit the candle of love today. That was a beautiful reading. Do you know that the word love is not found anywhere in the Christmas story? You can look in Matthew, you can look in Luke, or even in John where Jesus is described, as we just read, as the true light that gives light to everyone. The word love doesn't appear. But it doesn't have to, does it? Because love came down down to illuminate for us who God is. God is love. And if you want to know what God looks like, you need to look at Jesus. Jesus displayed this love as he spent time with people who were considered outcast. As he was willing to touch those who were considered untouchable. As he empowered women as disciples. As he loved across ethnic barriers. As he forgave even his enemies. So even in this darkest moments of our life, God is with us and his love surrounds us. Emmanuel, the with us God. And so the question is this Christmas, will you let the light of Jesus illuminate who God is? Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus, as the light of the world, illuminates who we are. John puts it perfectly in John 1, to all who will receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. We are children of God. It's hard to get your head around that sometimes, isn't it? We are loved as a perfect parent, if there was such a thing. We are loved as a perfect parent would be able to love a child. This Christmas, will you let the light of Jesus illuminate God's love for you in a new way? The deep love that overcomes shame and forgives us for the things that we've done wrong and heals us for the things that have been done to us. Let the light of Jesus illuminate for you that you are made in the image of God. You are made with value. God values you. God created you with intention. So often the form of light pollution that comes through these screens at us on our phones can distort who we think that we're supposed to be, doesn't it? It burns these images bright in our minds with ideals that nobody could live up to. That kind of light pollution crowds out the light and the illuminating that Jesus can do to say that you are enough. And God loves you just for being God's kids. Jesus illuminates that we are welcomed into the family of God where we experience purpose and belonging that we all long for. And we only experience a glimpse of what that family of God is like. That might be kind of obvious. Here in this messy middle between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, clearly the messiness of the family of God gets the best of us more times in this broken world than any of us are proud of. But this Christmas, will you let the light of Jesus illuminate the reality that you were made for purpose and belonging in the family of God? And one day when we see Jesus face to face, that family will be perfect and whole and free from conflict and strife. Praise God. Jesus as the light of the world illuminates who God is. Illuminates who we are, but also, finally, illuminates what God is doing in the world. Jesus illuminates what God is doing in the world so that we see others 
and we see our circumstances through God's eyes. On Christmas, we celebrate the first arrival of Jesus, and we wait in, in anticipation for him to come again to bring the new heaven and the new earth. And while we're in this messy middle, I always call it, life is not that different than that drive on Highway 2 in between Canada and Montana. And what I mean by that is darkness often surrounds us, doesn't it? But every mile or so in life, light breaks in. And it illuminates what's happening right around us, something that God wants us to see, like those spread out street lamps. The light of Jesus breaks into our life and gives us just a glimpse of what God is doing. Opens our eyes to what God is doing. And we get glimpses. Like when we see those who were once enemies finding reconciliation. Or when kids who are hungry are fed by a community of Jesus followers. Or people who are without housing experience home among friends. We see these glimpses like courage that is found to love neighbors that could not be more different than you. Or when healing is experienced emotionally or physically. We see glimpses when we see the majesty and the beauty of God covering the sky in a purple and pink sunset, don't we? We see glimpses of who God is with the ability to be led by the Spirit to extend a word of encouragement or to extend a hand of help or to be willing to receive one. And we see God breaking in when we have the ability to be supernaturally patient with those kiddos. That is the light of Jesus breaking into our lives and it's giving us just a glimpse of what God is doing around us. And so this Christmas, will you let the light of Jesus illuminate what God is doing around you every single day? The truth that we believe in is that someday Jesus will come back and he will make all the wrong things right. This is what Advent is all about. We celebrate the arrival of Jesus, but we look forward to the arrival when Jesus comes again. The book of Revelation, the last book in our Bibles, talks about this future hope of the new heaven and the new earth. And you know what it says? It tells us that God will wipe every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more mourning or crying or pain, for Jesus will make all things new. And instead of just the glimpses of light shining into the darkness, we read that Jesus with Jesus fully, there will be complete and total light. This is in this, in this description. Revelation says the new heaven and the new earth will not need a sun. It won't need a moon, for the glory of God will give it its light. And the lamp will be Jesus. When Jesus was born, the light of the world, the light of heaven was touching earth. But when Jesus returns, darkness will be defeated for good. Amen.